Becoming Aware of the Invisible You. In this podcast, Eckhart talks about our connection to the source of universal consciousness, which he compares to the vastness of the ocean. He says each person with individual awareness is like a small ripple on the surface of the ocean. However, he believes if we only ever know ourselves as a ripple, then we won't recognize our true depth. Eckhart asks participants to consider who they are beyond the surface, a person with a personality, to the fathomless, invisible self deep below. He believes all ancient spiritual traditions point toward this journey of transformation. And he says it's not only a possibility, but is a necessity for human evolution. He says we must ask ourselves, can the ripple realize its true identity as the ocean? Let's go to the analogy of the ocean. You have the ocean. On the surface of the ocean, there are waves and ripples. In this analogy, let's say every little ripple or wave believes itself to be an independent entity disconnected from other ripples. It only knows itself as a ripple because it doesn't know its own depth. And every wave only knows itself as a wave. Wave could be perhaps VIPs. If you own a private jet, you're a wave. And if you don't, then you're a ripple. <laughs> but the wave and the ripple are all short-lived. Their destiny is the same. <laughs> the body, one day the body is here, you're somebody, the next day you're nobody. Whether you're a wave or a ripple, doesn't matter. This ripple, of course, feels uneasy on the surface of the ocean because its sense of identity is very limited and it feels sometimes threatened by other ripples or it wants to use other ripples to associate with in order to become a bigger ripple. And sometimes temporarily that works, but not for very long. And then you're looking for yourself on the horizontal realm. Where can I be a, a more complete ripple? Can you help me be a more complete ripple? No. Or I need you, if we if you come together, we can be a big ripple. And it's never, nothing really works. In one moment, the ripple goes to a talk. In the chat. <laughs> and it hears this weird analogy, and then says, but who are you beyond the body of the, the you as the person? the invisible you. Can you become aware of the invisible you? First of all, it's the person that consists of thoughts and emotions, but that's already a little bit beyond the surface of the ocean. You go a little bit into the ocean, and there you exist as a person. And there's all your emotions and your thoughts and your identity as a human. There you are. You become aware of that. And that's, that's still very limited. And that is sustained by the incessant thinking machine, the conditioned mind, it sustains the personal selfhood, self-identity. Oh, that's amazing. And so the key is to realizing, go deeper and sense your connectedness with the ocean. Ocean in this analogy means Consciousness, universal consciousness that pervades the entire universe, the intelligence that underlies all phenomenal existence. 
the intelligence behind it all, the organizing principle behind the arising of forms, all forms, a vast intelligence that not exist as such, but it gives rise to existence. The vast intelligence is, it is being, it is not, it doesn't exist because everything that exists, exists in this dimension. But beyond this dimension, there is the, the depths of being, which is vast universal consciousness. So the ocean is the analogy of the ocean that points to that. And you can sense it, begin to get a glimpse of it, for a moment, the mind subsides. This is the moment. Now, that's, that's enough as a glimpse. Now, now, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean anything, you might, some people might ask. Yes, it does. What happens when the mind subsides, which means the otherwise incessant stream of automatic, unconscious, compulsive thinking comes to an end briefly. What remains of you without the thoughts? And I'm not talking about the cessation of thinking that happens when you go to sleep. We're not talking about that, because that could happen too. Hopefully not nobody here. The cessation of thinking as you go into sleep, you become very tired and you cannot think much anymore. And there's a moment of transition between the, wake, the state of wakefulness and the state of sleep, where you're still a little bit conscious. And that is a, a very sweet, precious moment. You feel the sweetness of sleep pulling you. And you nobody can resist that. Sleep has come. It forces you to go there, to go beyond yourself. So you have, a, even there, you have a moment before you fall asleep of self-transcendence. You cannot remember your story anymore. There's just a feeling of sweetness. And it says, come this way. So wonderful, just the moments before sleep. Self, here again, a moment, a brief moment of self-transcendence, and all self-transcendence consists in the cessation of the otherwise incessant stream of thinking, conceptualization. Now, what is it that remains? What is it that remains of you when you don't remember your story? but you haven't fallen asleep, and you haven't taken any drugs. Well, oh, I assume not. Or you haven't had a few whiskeys before coming here. Because something like alcohol, which people, millions of people would jump off bridges without, without their alcohol, they would go totally crazy. It's a drug. And what does it do? It also offers you a brief moment of self-transcendence, not always, but it, sometimes the possibility is there, and after a few drinks you feel much better. If you go further, you feel much worse. Why do you feel much better? Because the mind isn't that active anymore. And you, some people begin to laugh. 
They also do that when they smoke, this thing that's, that they smoke. And suddenly they start laughing before they were burdened with their problems, their problematic self, and what am I going to do with my life? Look at my life, the mess of it, I can't stand it anymore. And then they go, <laughs> this is also a brief moment of self-transcendence, but it's taking you towards unconsciousness, similar to sleep. But I can see how some people love it and might even think they need it, because they get this glimpse of becoming free of the burden of this themselves. Moment of self-transcendence, but again, what is it that characterizes this moment? And again, if you look deeply, you see that it happens because there's little or no thinking anymore. And yet you are still there. Now here's an interesting experiment. What is left of you when you're not thinking? You're not thinking about your life, your so-called life, which, by the way, you don't have a life. Because you are alive, you can't have it. Who is it that has a life? You are the life, you are the consciousness. What you call my life is a mental construct, it's a concept. And then, when that goes, okay, you don't remember your past, you don't need to right now, let's, as an experiment. You don't need to remember where you live or your email address, it's unnecessary. It adds nothing to this moment. You don't remember anything about yourself. All you're aware of is this moment, and you're aware of sense perceptions, visual, auditory, you're aware of that. More importantly, you're aware of something you cannot define, you're aware of being. You're aware that you are. I wouldn't say that you exist, because existence is a form that manifests. It stands, ex means out, ex, exist, to stand out. But beyond that, you're aware that, that you are the I am. Let's, again, you get a glimpse of that between two thoughts. One thought comes to an end. The other thought hasn't started up yet. There are sense perceptions in this moment, but there's also an awareness behind the sense perceptions, without which there wouldn't be any sense perceptions. This awareness has no form. It is pure beingness. And that is what I mean when I say in this analogy, the ripple suddenly becomes aware when it stops, when it stops thinking. <laughs> because in this analogy, the ripple thinks a lot. When it stops thinking, it becomes aware of its own depths. It becomes aware of its own depths and its own depths in the analogy of the ripple is the vastness of the ocean. And so the ripple becomes aware 
of the vastness out of which it has come, the vastness that to which it is connected, and not only connected, the vastness of the ocean that is inseparable from what the ripple is, because the ripple is a manifestation of the ocean, and a surface manifestation of the ocean. And suddenly the ripple realizes its true identity as the ocean. And, and this is the analogy. And this happens when a little bit of stillness arises, you get the first glimpse of it. Stillness means cessation of thinking, but no loss of consciousness. In other words, you rise above thinking. When you go to sleep, in your journey towards sleep, you fall below thinking. Yes, there also you become free of thinking briefly, but you're moving towards unconsciousness. The same with drinking alcohol or whatever drug. Yes, it can free you temporarily from your mind, but you're falling below thinking, which is an unproblematic region because all of nature exists below thinking. It's a manifestation of consciousness, but has no, the tree has no concept of who or what it is. The tree has a certain consciousness, yes. It's a manifestation of the same animating presence that animates all forms in the universe. And the dog is a little bit more in common with the human. It hasn't arrived at the conceptual mind yet, but it's, it's closer to the human consciousness and the tree. But you might have noticed the dog doesn't have an ego. Well, almost. Very occasionally, I have observed cats or dogs that have shown the beginnings of an ego. And usually the owner of the dog has a huge ego. <laughs> and it rubs off on the dog or the cat. But most dogs don't. They don't have a narrative about that they call my life. There's no me. They exist prior to egoic consciousness. They are free of that. But we, it is not our destiny to go back to the animal, to the tree, to the blade of grass. The, our journey is beyond all ancient spiritual traditions and teachings point to the possibility of realizing the transcendent consciousness no matter how they talk about it, what they call it, they all, the ancient, the deep teachings all point to this possibility, and not only possibility, to this need for humans to evolve into that. And that's, that need is great, especially at this time of a crisis. So a shift in consciousness happens, when you become aware, and let's put it like this, when you become aware of awareness. In other words, there is a presence that you can sense 
when you're not thinking, but you haven't, you're not moving towards sleep, you're very alert. It can sometimes arise, as I said, when you look at a baby or dog or out in nature, suddenly the wow arises because you're not thinking. And there's a deep response to what you see and perceive, but also, and more importantly, the realization of that in you that is the essence of you and that makes all perception possible. In the ancient Upanishads, the ancient scriptures of India going back thousands of years, one of the Upanishads, I don't usually memorize scriptures, so it's, it's, it's an incomplete quote, but it goes something like, not that which the eye sees, but that whereby the eye can see. No, only that to be Brahman, God. Then it goes on to the other senses. Not that which the ear hears, but that whereby the ear can hear. No, that to be Brahman and not what people here adore. And it goes to the other senses. So it's not what you see, what you hear, but that which makes all hearing and seeing and thinking possible. It's not what you think, but that which makes thought possible. Know that to be the transcendent consciousness. In not what people here adore is always added, which means do not seek God in the realm of form or existence and say God is over there or over there. God is not, can never be an object of consciousness. I'm, I'm suddenly talking about God. Usually I avoid it, but it just happened. I avoid it because there are so many misunderstandings about God. So God cannot be an object of consciousness. This is exactly what Jesus said, when he, by the way, when he said, they asked him, where is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven, by the way, means the transcendent consciousness. In my translation, the kingdom of heaven is the, the kingdom is the realm of heaven is the vast sky, vast spaciousness, the dimension of spaciousness, which is a dimension of consciousness. Kingdom of heaven, the dimension of spaciousness. Heaven is also used in other spiritual traditions. The closest you can get to spacious consciousness is the vastness of heaven, the sky. The sky is not an object either. You cannot touch it, you can never arrive there. It just seems to be there. It's basically, it's, it's just an externalization of space. Something that the senses seem to perceive, but has no actual existence. <laughs> so Jesus, then they ask him, when is the kingdom of heaven going to come? And he says, the kingdom of heaven does not come with signs to be perceived. You cannot say, look, it's over here, or look, it's over there. For truly the kingdom of heaven is within you. 
Now, what does it mean? It does not come with signs to be perceived. means it cannot ever be an object of consciousness. <laughs> this is the, the misunderstanding of God. You can speak to God, that's fine, if it gives you comfort. But the essence of who you are is consciousness. And consciousness is an emanation of that one that we could call God, which does not exist in this dimension, is not part of space and time, but the light of it shines into this world and manifests in you as consciousness. This is why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. <laughs> this is so clear. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you are, you are better than others. It points to the essence of who you are. The light of the world is the consciousness in which the world appears. You are the consciousness that makes this world possible. You are the light of consciousness. You are the light of the world. And this is not something, it's, as an intermediate step, it's fine to have that belief. And then it's time to go beyond belief, the mere belief, to a realization, an actual realization of the depths within you, the depths within you in which you are connected to that vastness that is consciousness. Now, as you probably know, you go back thousands of years like ancient Egypt, they regarded the sun as God. And there are many similarities, one could say, because the sun emanates light continuously, a vast outpouring of energy, which we perceive as light. The life-giving energy of the sun, it emanates continuously. It gives of itself continuously. And I suggest that in the same way, the consciousness that is in all living things and even in a lower vibrational frequency in so-called inanimate things, which are not ultimately inanimate, every form that exists is an expression of this one consciousness that emanates shines into this dimension and gradually it brings about an increase in consciousness. So God itself obviously is beyond space and time. There's no development, there cannot be. But the emanation that shines into this dimension and creates this universe, there is an evolutionary process and gradually more consciousness flows into this universe from that transcendent source of all life. From that transcendent source of all life, consciousness flows into this universe and it animates, forms, and gradually there is an increase in the light that shines into this universe. The universe in the process of becoming more conscious. That's the amazing thing. The universe is in the process of becoming more conscious. 
the light of consciousness emanates from the one source. The one source, of course, is beyond time, beyond space and time. I'm explaining something that we one cannot really understand conceptually, but I'm talking about it because I would like to refer to the possibility of realizing this beyond concepts, where you realize this depth that is within you, and then you see that the person that you thought you were is a relatively fleeting phenomenon. In essence, you are consciousness itself, which some in ancient times, some mystics in all traditions, Christian mystics, Sufis in Islam, Zen tradition, Buddhism and so on, Hinduism very much. A few people in there realized this within themselves and some kept quiet about it, that was very wise. And others suddenly shouted, this was a misinterpretation of the, their mind, attempting to understand what had happened to them. They suddenly shouted, I am God. This was not well received. And many of them got killed. I would advise against it, and it is not the complete truth. It is, a, one could say, a partial truth. The same way that a ray of sunlight, you feel it, or it comes down, you feel it on your skin. Now, the ray of sunlight, obviously, is an emanation of the sun and is still connected to the sun. So, in one sense, the ray of sunlight could say, I am the sun. But in another sense, the sun is infinitely more vast than just the ray that it emanates, although it's one with it. So, I would not say that the ray of sunlight should say, I am the sun. But if the ray of sunlight says, I am an emanation of the sun, and I can sense the essence of the sun as my very being, that is the truth. And that realization comes to you in moments of stillness, and not necessarily when you are being undisturbed by things. This is not a prerequisite for realizing this inner dimension. The stillness can come in the midst of turmoil too. This stillness, which is a transcendent consciousness, can come when the egoic self loses important things that made up its identity. So when the egoic self, the mind-made self, loses things that gave it its identity, which could be possessions, sudden loss of possessions, losing relationships, losing somebody close to you through death, losing all your belongings, losing social status, suddenly being nobody in the eyes of the world, whereas before you were somebody in the eyes of the world. Loss of any kind can become an opening because it deprives the ego of its nourishment and sustenance. Without identifying, the ego begins to collapse, it crumbles. 
This is why often you hear of people, when they lose all their possessions, they were perhaps important tycoons or business people. There was a story of, in the 30s, when there was the big economic downturn, many people in Manhattan, they jumped off the skyscrapers. They couldn't take it anymore because they lost everything. They were so associated with their egoic self when this did not have any sustenance anymore, that was the end of the world for them. It was dreadful. And so this can happen, but potentially, when you experience great loss, the things that had given the ego its identity are taken away, a crack appears in the egoic shell. And there suddenly, what is what you realize that suddenly is the peace that passes all understanding. You suddenly, when you surrender to this fact that there's loss now, suddenly you feel an inner peace and you lost everything. I've had many accounts of people telling me that it happened to them. Many people who have come to me over the years said, if I had not experienced, if I had not lost all my money, or if I had not, in some cases, very tragic things, I'd lost my children in an accident, I was close to death, I was diagnosed with this illness, and I could feel death approaching, everything collapsed inside me. When you feel death approaching, it's hard to sustain an ego, and suddenly they felt deeply at peace. Something opened up, and that peace is that deep stillness, and that deep stillness is the, you have transcended, who you are as a person, self-transcendence. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.